0: Thank you for listening to Eclipsed Epics. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 17, Demos. On February 1st, 1940, a two-hour wall fire rained down on the Manorheim line. Important railroad junction depots and other communication links in the rear. This is where we return to our annals of William R. Trotter. He describes the artillery barrage at Salma on the 1st, quantitatively by saying, quote, counting only the visible guns, brazenly mounted in open, uncamouflaged emplacements, there were no less than 200 pieces of artillery amassed to fire against the Soma sector alone, end quote. Using the wall of fire concept as our guide, that sector should be no more than two and a half miles wide. For a more qualitative description, Trotter later illustrates the barrage by saying the, quote, the iron wall of sound and vibration crashed into the Finns' nervous systems like the last thunderclap of Armageddon, end quote. This was the beginning of the end of the heroic Finnish defense, and we have not even gotten to the main offensive yet. Of the five demo operations for Northwest Front, the most important was at SOMA, conducted by 100th Rifle Division, where both Trotter quantitatively and qualitatively described the opening artillery barrage. Just for clarification, Soma is located on the western coast of the Isthmus, about 20 miles from Bob puri Carl Van Dyke recounts the effort of 1st Battalion, 4th Company against Finnish Fort Number 45 on the Mannerheim Line. He states that at first... Things were moving along quite nicely, thank you very much. And this was until the sled carrying the explosives 4th Company needed to blow up that fort had itself been blown up by Finnish fire. The storm group, the head of the spear, took heavy losses, something something Trotter notes as the one thing the Red Army carried over from December. If I may, I'm going to add the willingness to, quote, accept staggering losses in order to reach their objectives, end quote. Will never leave the Red Army. Anyway, when the storm group did suffer those losses, it retreated back to its jumping off point, while the rest of the company went for 445. After the explosion, the Finns tried to counterattack, seeing the retreating Red in front of them. But those storm troops were on well with hand grenades, and the Finns were surviving on the fumes of what were supplies. By this time, the Finnish army had reached logistic and therefore operational ineffectiveness. And now the Red Army before them, doubled in size, was well led and revamped. It was a miracle Helsinki was not taken in the middle of these demo operations. Nevertheless, the demo operations were a success. Significant factors to this success were the artillery that actually put rounds on target and tanks. Although, that doesn't mean you would call the triumph a smashing success. Somehow, the Red Army still underestimated the amount it would take to destroy Finland's forts. Something interesting happened on the 3rd of February. Tamashenko told the commander of one of the two armies, and architect of the failed December offensives, Meretskov, to continue the demonstrations for another two days and to expand them. This confused the Finns about where and when the new general offensive was going to occur. And during the expanded operations, 100th Rifle Division could not manifest a breakthrough. So Northwest Front looked elsewhere for a breakthrough. Also, the expanded operations convinced the Finns they had rebuffed another general offensive. And this is something that even Trotter misses completely in his book, a frozen hell. He writes as if the offensive proper started February 1st, most likely due to basing this on finished accounts of the war, which are generally more credible and numerous. Unfortunately for the small Baltic Republic, this was not the general offensive. That would not come until February 11th, less than a week after Tomoshenko called off the expanded demonstration by 100th Rifle Division. Two days before the general offensive, Tomoshenko inspected his front for its readiness to perform this offensive. Despite the success of the demonstrations, he still didn't like what he saw. Temoshenko still found glaring problems with the control of troops. The success of this offensive depended on the storm group troops who were on the outer edge of the command structure. Therefore, they were the most vulnerable to any deviation in troop control. Temoshenko identified the two most critical factors of this offensive's success. Continuous battlefield intelligence and good communication to relay that intelligence and assure harmony amongst the different units of this combined arms offensive. Regardless of Tomoshenko's reservations, the general offensive was still scheduled for February 11th at high noon. That morning, if you're into these type of things, was a bad omen. The Karelian Isthmus was covered with about at least five seas worth of fog. It was that thick that reduced visibility to such an extent that the Red Air Force was grounded. But the artillery barrage, quote, thundered against every sector of the line, from Tapile to the Gulf of Finland, end quote, according to that real MVP of this season of Eclipsed Epics. You know him. You love him. It is William R. Trotter. The artillery barrage included the Baltic Fleet, which was ordered to shell Vapuri, The clear emphasis of this offensive. The barrage started an hour early at 9.45, and a little more than two hours later, the general offensive of the ground forces began in earnest. 100th Rifle Division continued to struggle in its sector, while 123rd, on the opposite side of the Soma Yarvi, found the going somewhat easier. According to Van Dyke, 123rd Division deviated from some of the protocols laid out by the offensive and accentuated others for instance it performed about a quote dozen intensive fire raids against specific probably already weakened targets end quote instead of the usual blanket artillery preparatory barrage so they're using their intelligence here and they're identifying the already weakened spots probably from numerous barrages and they're centering their artillery on those really weak spots. But 123rd also focused on creating communication lines between the various units in the division and headquarters so it could control the offensive better. On the evening before the offensive, subunit commanders gathered and held inter-unit briefings to facilitate combined arms units working together. And all this people stuff was totally lacking in the December offensives. Because Meritzkoff was acting like many analytically-minded general managers, especially of basketball teams. These GMs seem to just throw assets together and expect a Larry O'Brien trophy. Part of the reason they don't get that trophy is that they ignored all the people stuff. The principle remains the same when discussing the approach of Meritzkoff earlier in this war. All the people stuff that the 123rd did paid off. On the 11th, it advanced less than a mile, which doesn't sound like much. But based on the past performance of the Red Army in Finland, that's warp speed. This success prompted Termoshenko to turn his attention to the 123rd Rifle Division. The next day, the 123rd saw a more fanatic Finnish defense. And that defense halved the previous day's offensives for the 123rd. A regiment on its left, put there by Maritschkoff to fill a hole between 123rd and the 100th Rifle Division, saw some success too. That regiment destroyed two major forts, while 123rd destroyed six, and the 100th still struggled. The next morning, February 13th, 1940, the 123rd outpaced the remaining defense of the main defensive line. By nightfall, it had opened up about a two and a half mile wide gap in that front. Tamashenko declared this hole big enough for a breakthrough. Thus, he started to send divisions through. Trotter goes on to state quote, The first position the tanks overran was a battery of ammunitionless howitzers that had first seen action in 1905 against the Japanese in Manchukuo. End quote. The Red Army's breakthrough should be one of the most climactic scenes of the Winter War, but in the sources that I have read for this season, not one person describes it that way. Vesa Neely is informative and detailed, but pro-Finland. His book on the Winter War is one in a series called Finland at War. William R. Trotter's prose is evocative, but he's also pro-Finland in this war. And to be honest, who is not? No one except the full-throated communist wants to see Stalin win here. The only source that might even inch toward a pro-Soviet pool is Carl Van Dyke. And that is only because he spent time going through the Russian archives after the fall of the Soviet Union. For the average Red Army soldier that had been press gained into service, sent to Finland ill-equipped and undernourished, and had to survive with the Finns harassing them throughout December and January, this breakthrough represents something like climbing Mount Everest. Or in my 1990s child brain, the breakthrough of the Mannerheim Line in the mind of your average Red Army soldier, represents nothing other than summoning the aggro crag on Nickelodeon Guts. You folks know what Guts is? da na da na da na na Guts! Da-na, da na na Guts! Do-do, you have it, Guts! Still nothing? Well, Guts was a television action sports game show where three kids compete in various extreme obstacle courses and I put extreme in air quotes. At the end these three contestants would have to climb the aggro crag to determine the winner of that show. The aggro crag was a fake mountain in a tv set in Orlando Florida. When the first person got to the top of the aggro crag they had to slap a button, and a bunch of confetti would rain down on the set and the contestant. This is kind of how, like, just breaking through. If you've gone through the conscription, the undernourishment, ill-equipped, all the things that the average Red Army had to, uh, average Red Army soldier had to go through. This is ha- something of how it felt. Had to have felt if you didn't, you know die right after or like die as you're literally like driving a tank through or like marching through the breakthrough right and speaking of breakthrough next week we will see how finland reacted to this breakthrough as a result we will discuss an interesting approach to diplomacy